In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, God cares for you and he loves you. And he uses his sovereignty and all of his power and his might to protect you, to defend you, and to make a blessed end for you in this life. God even uses evil for your good. He uses trials to strengthen you. And he uses sorrow to draw you closer to him. When God does these things, you're going to be tempted to think that God no longer cares. That he's no longer in control somehow. But don't believe it for a second. Because God is always in control, even when it seems like he is not. And he loves you no matter what he permits and allows you to experience and suffer through. So in the gospel text for today, Christ performs a miracle that proves that he is fully God and fully man. After healing a man with leprosy, healing the the servant of the centurion, healing Peter's mother-in-law from a fever, and many others who were demon-possessed, Jesus was exhausted. And he provided rest for many, but he himself didn't get any rest. So his, his taking up of our infirmities and bearing our diseases wore him out, according to his flesh, his humanity. So while foxes have dens and birds have nests, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. The only rest he finds is when he gets into a boat with his disciples. The Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus says, let's go across the lake to the other side. And so they set out uh, on the boat and Jesus falls asleep. And then the Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus was in the stern, uh, sleeping on a cushion. That is, uh, the stern, by the way, is the part of the boat that steers and conducts and leads the ship. Uh, Keep that in mind. After some time in the boat, a furious and a violent storm hits. And as the sky is cracking with thunder being torn apart by lightning, and as the waves are sweeping over the boat, breaking in and flooding it, the disciples start to fear for their lives. And as they're crying out to one another, trying to keep the boat afloat, as they're getting soaked in the freezing waters of the stormy sea by being tossed back and forth in the ship, Jesus is asleep. When the disciples realize this, they wake him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And they say, don't you even care that we're dying? Jesus wakes up and he says to his disciples, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And rebukes the violent wind and he says to the sea, peace, be still. Uh, The New Testament Greek is a little more clear. Jesus doesn't simply say peace and be still. He rebukes the storm, saying something that roughly translates in today's terms as shut up. (laughs) He muzzles the storm and he strikes it mute. He silences it in that moment. And the winds seize and the white waves die and it's completely calm. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were even more afraid, saying, Who is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey him? So what's going on in this text? The disciples sense danger and their impending doom. And they start to fear for their lives. And because they don't see anything happening, because they don't see the hands of Jesus moving or the mouth of Jesus speaking, because they don't see the heavens parting and the glory of God shining down, they think that in that moment, that Jesus, who cared for them every day of their life before, in that moment, no longer cares for them. That it doesn't bother him a bit that they're dying, that they're drowning. 
And while they're in the middle of that storm, they think that God has stopped caring for them altogether. So, dear saints, I think you know where I'm going with this. Much like those disciples, when we find ourselves in the midst of stresses and heartache, we fall into the same fear and doubt and angst. When we suffer great grief and anguish, when we're met with tremendous pain and sorrow, we're tempted to think that God no longer cares for us in that moment and that he's no longer in control. We know rationally, yes, that God is our faithful protector who neither slumbers nor sleeps. Many times, according to our feelings and our experiences and to our hearts, it often seems like he's sleeping on us. When we see life get out of control, we think God has lost that control. When we're drowning in concern, we think that God is ignoring us. As temptation after temptation come crashing against, them, uh, against us, flooding our hearts with sin and guilt, we send prayer after prayer and we see nothing for it. When all we see is the world caving in on us, our sinful heart can't help but conclude that God is somehow neglecting us, rejecting us, abandoning us, and leaving us to die. You see this when you pray for healing and it never comes. Your disease and illness just grow worse. You see this when you ask for a better marriage and it just gets harder. You plead for a job and you're still unemployed. You pray for a child and you never get one. You pray for happiness and joy, but you never feel it. You pray for peace, but you don't experience it. You pray and you beg and you cry out to God that he would take away this tempest of sin and anger and guilt and pride and debt and worry and anxiety from you and it rages all the more. And while these storms thunder on, you think to yourself, if I could just see God acting or hear him speaking or see him moving a little bit, then I'd have hope in all of this and I'd know that he's truly awake, that he really hears me and that he actually cares. But I don't see any of it. So this complaint isn't original to you today. David complains this way in the Psalms. He says, Lord, wake up. Why are you sleeping? He says, God, don't be silent like this. And he says, Lord, how long will you hide your face from me? What you feel right now in the midst of whatever is shaking your trust in God is exactly what those disciples felt in the heat and the heart of that storm that shook their faith in Christ. But the great joy of the gospel is this, that Jesus is both fully God and is fully man, 100% human and 100% divine. He is true God, begotten of the Father in eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, and this should be the greatest joy to you. You might think, how? How in the world are the two natures of Christ a comfort to me today? Well, it's a comfort to you because this means that Jesus, the one who cared for you more than himself, is in control and always has been. When God became man... He didn't become less God. When God became man, he remained fully God while becoming fully human. So this means that even while he closed his eyes to rest, he was still at the same time the one who neither slumbers nor sleeps, keeping watch over Israel. 
Even while Jesus laid his head in a manger, he was at the same time holding the stars and the planets in place in the heavens above him. Even while Jesus hungered and thirsted in the wilderness, he was at the same time opening his hand and satisfying the desire of every living thing. Even while Jesus wept bitter tears of agony and pain in the garden, he was at the same time wiping away forever the tears of all those who died with faith in him. Even while Jesus was being drained of every ounce of life in him on the cross, he was creating life and sustaining every living creature. So this means that even while Jesus closed his eyes to rest in the stern of the ship that day, he was at the same time wide awake, governing the wind and the waves, and the entire world. And this is the great comfort you should find today. That Jesus wasn't in control of the storm only when he stopped it. Jesus was in control of that storm even while he was in it. He didn't, con- uh, he didn't gain control at the end. He had it since the beginning. Even while his eyes were closed, he was ruling the land, the sea, and the air, although his disciples couldn't see him do it. Christ imposed this great storm against that little boat and his disciples to test them, to try them, to strengthen their faith. He permitted this disaster to befall them in order to show them his glory, the glory that the wind and the waves must bow to his word. Even more than that, He used this entire storm to teach them and to teach you here today that all storms, all disasters, and all trouble are subject to God and must serve his very purpose and accomplish his will. The God who controls all things is also the God who sympathizes with you, who comforts you when things seem to get out of control. They're not out of his control, and that's the point. He doesn't let things get too far. They start when he allows them to, and they end when he commands them to. He only permits what is good and beneficial for your faith. And it's for this reason that sometimes God allows your faith to be tested and attacked and stretched and tried in order that your faith in him would strengthen and grow. Sometimes God takes away these possessions and provisions in order to turn your heart to him. Even evil is subject to God and must serve his good. Burdens and crosses and worries must all work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And why is that? It's because on the cross, that's when he took away the purpose of evil and used it for good. That's when he used the stripes on his back to carve your name into the book of life. That's when he used the thorns on his head to win for you a crown of salvation. That's when he used the nails in his hands to place you in the hands of your dear father in heaven. And that there on the cross is when he used the storm of God's wrath and anger to give you peace with God and a calm conscience with the forgiveness of every one of your sins. Because of Christ's blessed cross, he has not only used the evil done to him for our good, but he has promised to use all of the evil in our life for our good also. God made you this promise in his word. And he has given you faith to believe it here today. The great gift of faith is not simply believing that, that Jesus is God when you see everything calm. But trusting that he's still God even when you're in the eye of the storm. Even while God sends you sorrow and sadness, he's still good and gracious and loving. The trouble he sends 
and allows will indeed and must work together for your good. God is in control in the midst of your troubles, and they obey him. And he has commanded that the only thing that your trials and sorrow can do to you in this life is bring you closer to him. So no matter how useless or needless your pain might seem, God is using it for his purpose. No matter how much you might furrow your brow and scowl at your troubles, saying, how in the world is God using this very thing for good? How is it possible that this will somehow benefit me? God has permitted it, allowed it, and sent it to accomplish his good and gracious will. No matter what disease or illness or cross or burden you you might be carrying, God has sanctified it with his blood. The trouble he sends you may hurt you, but it cannot harm you. All your sorrow, all your affliction can only conform you to the image of his son. So dear saints, believe his word even while you can't see it. Call upon him in every trouble. And don't lose heart for whatever you're suffering. It's better to sit in the boat with Christ through the storm than to sit with the godless in false security and peace. Find comfort even while the Lord lets you endure infliction and disease. Be patient in your sufferings, knowing that no matter what brews around you, God is with you and is for you. Pray that God's will be done, that it be done in your life, even if that means a broken heart, even if it means grief for a time, even while God holds back on helping you for a little while now. He's promised that he will come again to shut up the roaring lies of evil and sin and guilt and death. Through his blessed cross, he has promised to use all evil for your good. To turn your death into uh, into the door of eternal life. To turn your fear and sadness into peace everlasting. So rest securely in the storm because just as Christ controls the wind and the waves with his word, so too he controls your life. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. This is the first hymn. Uh, that I taught Zion through the hymn of the month when I came and was ordained here at Zion. Entrust your days and burdens to God's most loving hand. He cares for you while ruling the sky, the sea, the land. For he who guides the tempests along their thunderous ways will find for you a pathway and guide you all your days. Rely on God, your Savior, and find your life secure. Make his work your foundation that your work may endure. No anxious thought, no worry, no self-tormenting care can win your Father's favor. His heart is moved by prayer. Leave all to his direction. His wisdom rules for you in ways to rouse your wonder at all his love can do. Soon, he, his promise-keeping with wonder-working powers, will banish from your spirit what gave you troubled hours. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.